The second reading is taken from Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1 to 13. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Thanks, Alice. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, really good to see you all. To start us off, uh, I want you to imagine something with me. Uh, Picture the scene. Um, You're in another part of the world. Uh, It's a beautiful place, uh, but it's a place that's faced many difficulties. Uh, It's war-torn. There's been food supply problems. Uh, And as you look at the people around you, your heart goes out to them. You're sat in a cafe one day there, and there's a couple of people next to you, uh, and they say that they want to help in the area. Uh, And you think, oh, that's great. I hope they can make a a bit of difference. Uh, Maybe they're going to help in like a health center or something. Uh, But then as the conversation progresses, uh, you start to realize uh, that they're actually very senior in the world's biggest charitable organization. Uh, They have a huge wealth of resources uh, at their fingertips, uh, and they could make a huge difference to this area and transform it. Suddenly you're excited, and your picture of them is very different, isn't it? What do you think of when you think of the church? I think for many of us, uh, we think of it a bit like we might have initially thought of those two people in the cafe. Uh, it's not a big deal, but it's well-meaning. Uh, it can do a little bit of good. Uh, we might think of it just like a, a social club for Sundays, a bit like the tennis club, but for people who like a bit of churchiness. And if that's what we're tempted to think, uh, then we need to enlarge our vision Uh, The church doesn't just have the backing of some hugely wealthy organization. Uh, No, far more than that, the church has the backing of the creator of the universe. Uh, It is his means uh, of holding out the truth to the world, uh, the good news of the gospel. Here's how Paul describes it in a couple of verses straight after our passage today. He writes that it is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth, Uh, And he goes straight on to talk about that truth uh, being Jesus proclaimed among the nations. We live in a world that is full of beauty, don't we? 
uh, but it's also full of darkness and confusion. Uh, And it is the church that God uses to speak truth into that darkness and to hold out a love and a hope that cannot be taken away, uh, even in the face of death. And that is why the order and leadership of the church and the conduct of those serving is so important. Uh, We see that in our passage today, don't we? Uh, It's a challenge uh, for every one of us. Uh, So let's pray before we have a look at it. Father God, uh, living God, in many ways it seems incredible that you would choose to use us for your work. Uh, We thank you for that privilege and we pray that you would show us how we are to live that out as a church uh, as we look at your word this morning. Amen. Paul tells us that he is writing these instructions so that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. And the first thing we see is that God intends his church to have overseers and deacons. It's to have order. Overseers are to lead the church. In the New Testament, it's almost certain that the words overseer or the word overseer and the word elder are interchangeable when you look at it in detail. An elder in the original language, Greek, is presbyteros. Uh, which is where we get the word presbyter. Uh, And Ken has been ordained to presbyter. Uh, And Ken wants you to know that I'm in the process uh, of becoming a presbyter. Uh, And this passage here uh, tells us the requirements for the role. It's not so much a description of the role. Uh, But we see elsewhere that overseers lead the church. uh, And that involves three things. Uh, The first one is that they are to guard the church. They're to care for it like a shepherd guarding the sheep against being led astray. Uh, So take a look at Acts 20 up on the screen. Uh, It says this, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. And it's interesting that Paul is talking here to the Ephesian elders and then wind on on a decade or so and Timothy is serving in Ephesus. And what's happening? There are false teachers. Paul saw it coming, he warned them and now he's saying, guard the church. I've actually got to know a real life shepherd, slightly gruff but friendly guy called Bob. And... You can't help but notice uh, that uh, even in the worst of weather, when the snow's coming down and the wind is biting uh, in the Yorkshire Dales, uh, he's out in the fields looking after his sheep. Uh, He knows all the dangers for them. Uh, He pays careful attention. He knows exactly when a sheep needs to come into the barn for extra warmth uh, or care. And overseers are called to guard and shepherd the church family uh, in a similar way. Overseers are also uh, to guide the church like a shepherd. Uh, So earlier we read in uh, 1 Peter 5 uh, this. uh, He says, So I exhort the elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, uh, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, uh, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, 
uh, not domineering over those in your charge? Are you not bossing them around or, or bullying them to do what you want them to do, but being examples to the flock? Overseers are also to govern. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Uh, As we were reminded of uh, in Ken's sermon last week, uh, being an overseer is a weighty task. But Paul reminds us in verse 1 that it is also a noble task. Uh, It is a good thing to aspire to with the right motives. It involves the care and the nurture of God's people. I think there's a a challenge here in terms of what we aspire to for our kids, isn't there? Uh, We easily slip into just valuing what the world around us values. Uh, If we're ambitious, uh, maybe we might aspire to them leading an England sports team or something, uh, or just finding a stable, well-paid career. But do we see full-time ministry or being a missionary as a noble task to aspire to? Uh, Would we encourage our kids if they aspired to that? And because it's a noble task, we see here that those serving need to be qualified. But the qualifications uh, might not be what you'd expect. Uh, I wonder what your list would be uh, for the job application for an overseer. What do you think? You can imagine it might be uh, demonstrating leadership skills uh, or being entrepreneurial, uh, showing vision, public speaking ability or or high academic uh, standards. That's not what we see here, is it? No, what's incredibly clear here is that God cares more about character than he does about gifting. One of the big themes of this letter is that the gospel uh, leads to godliness. Uh, It leads to practical, visible change in those who believe. Uh, And overseers are to model that. So Paul says, uh, verse 2, Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, uh, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. An overseer must be above reproach. That doesn't mean faultless uh, or no one would qualify, Uh, but it does mean a blameless reputation and visible conduct. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, as we've said, and, and the way some people were behaving there was undermining the gospel. And sadly, that still happens today, doesn't it? Now, we've all heard claims of bullying uh, from church leaders or financial impropriety uh, or sexual scandal. And it brings the church and its amazing message into disrepute. It causes people to distrust the church and its leaders. And so we read that overseers must be respectable and self-controlled in the areas of drink and money and anger, uh, and also in marriage. Uh, They're to be the husband of one wife, uh, meaning literally a one-woman man, faithful to their wife if they have one. I also believe this is saying that overseers should be men. Uh, Now, it's worth saying that in the uh, original Greek, uh, there are no pronouns in this passage, uh, so there's no uh, he in the wording. But the translators have made the decision uh, based on the fact that the overseer is referred to as a one-woman man. Uh, Just as in chapter 5 later on, uh, when Paul is talking about widows, uh, the translator uh, uses she, uh, even though that's not there. 
uh, and he talks about the, wi the, wi the widows being a uh, one-man woman, whereas here he talks of a one-woman man. And it's not just here. Paul uses exactly the same requirement uh, in Titus 1 verse 6 when he talks about overseers in Crete, uh, an island uh, several hundred miles away. So the requirements seem to be the same for all churches. Uh, we very much believe here that men and women are made in the image of God, uh, so we all have equal value and dignity. Uh, but nevertheless, in different contexts, uh, we will have different and complementary roles. Uh, as Ken said last week in his sermon, uh, there was created order in the Bible of men under God uh, taking loving responsibility uh, for their families and for the church family. And there are two uh, signature activities reserved exclusively to men. Uh, the authoritative teaching of God's word to the adult mixed gender congregation and the spiritual oversight of God's people. And I don't think that it's an accident that uh, Paul goes straight from that uh, to talk about overseers and to talk of them as a one-woman man. Like Ken last week, uh, I'm very aware that this is a, a sensitive topic uh, and I'm treading on eggshells here. Uh, and what I say today very much builds on what Ken said last week and could be misunderstood without that. Uh, so if you haven't heard Ken's sermon, uh, please do uh, go away and have a listen to it. Uh, it's on the website or on the podcast. Uh, it's a central context for this passage. I'm also aware that there's far more that could be said, uh, but I'm going to park that there. Uh, but do feel free to come and have a chat to me uh, or Ken afterwards, preferably having listened to his sermon first as well. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, these things are difficult, aren't they? Uh, and we need to be gracious with one another as we wrestle with them. And we need to strive for unity in the gospel together. So what other qualifications are there for overseers? Uh, we're told an overseer must be hospitable. Uh, they must be able to teach. Uh, it's striking that that's the only ability or specific gifting that's mentioned here. Uh, we see that he must manage his own household well. Uh, why? Well, because uh, if someone isn't able to manage their immediate family well, uh, well, how can they care for God's family well, for the church family? Uh, we're also told, verse 6, that they must not be a recent convert. Uh, they must be mature in the faith, uh, with the great danger being pride. Uh, we're told again and again in the Bible that God shows grace to those who are humble before him, and he opposes the proud. And then finally, verse 7, they're to be well thought of by outsiders. Uh, the church is to be a light to the world, uh, as we thought about at the start. Uh, so we're to be wise and winsome in our conduct to outsiders, uh, and to, to those outside the church, in order to gain their respect and have an opportunity to speak of the gospel. Uh, so, for, for example, Paul, uh, talking to the Thessalonians, uh, says that they should work rather than just relying on charity, and they shouldn't meddle in other people's affairs so that they don't lose respect with outsiders. So those are the qualifications for overseers. Uh, what do you make of them? What strikes you? Uh, it's incredibly clear, isn't it, that God puts great value not on what we might really value, maybe gifting or intellect, uh, but on character. Because the gospel isn't just to be spoken, uh, it's to be embodied uh, in the behavior and the culture of everything that happens in the church. 
And true faith in the gospel uh, always leads to growth in godliness, uh, which points people to the gospel. It's a high bar, isn't it? Uh, I felt the weight of it as I've prepared this week. Uh, So please uh, do pray for your leaders. Uh, We really appreciate it. Uh, But we also need to pray for all those serving in the church family uh, because the next thing we see is that the requirements for deacons uh, are virtually identical. The only thing that seems to be missing uh, is the ability to teach. Uh, But you may well be wondering, what on earth is a deacon? Uh, Slightly slightly odd word, it's not a term we often use. Uh, But the word in the original language uh, simply means servant. So in a general sense, uh, we are all deacons. Uh, But there's also, uh, there seems to be a particular office in the church uh, of deacon. Uh, And it's fair to say that the New Testament uh, doesn't say a huge amount about what the role involves. Uh, But it seems to me that it's likely that Acts 6 uh, refers to it. You might uh, know uh, that uh, we read there of a complaint in the church. Uh, The Greek-speaking widows were being overlooked in the distribution of food uh, and provisions for the needy. Uh, And the apostles decided that in the interest of the whole church, they would uh, separate out uh, the work. There'd be a division of work. Uh, The apostles would focus on the ministry of words and prayer, uh, while others would be set aside uh, to serve the needy and make sure that they weren't neglected. These servants uh, or deacons uh, stepping up uh, means that the apostles can stay focused on their role, uh, shepherding the flock uh, with prayer and ministry of the words. Uh, And in the passages where deacons are mentioned, uh, there's a sense that they serve and support the overseers. Uh, The deacons protect church unity there. There's division. uh, And they step in to solve an area of conflict. And they meet tangible needs and provide solutions. And surprisingly, uh, for such a practical role, uh, the requirements for deacons focus on godliness again, don't they? Not just skills. Verse 9 tells us that they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Uh, When Paul talks about uh, the mystery in the New Testament, uh, he's talking about God's plan of salvation that has been revealed to us. Uh, So deacons must hold to the gospel uh, and live it out in their lives. Uh, Now at this point, the other thing you might be wondering is whether women can be deacons. Uh, And verse 11 uh, is really key here. Have a look. Uh, Because if you were keen uh, and you had a look at the footnote in the ESV, uh, you'd have seen that the wording in the original language uh, is women, likewise, must be dignified. Uh, And it's unclear here as to whether it's talking about uh, women deacons uh, or the wives of deacons or maybe both, uh, because it's actually the same words uh, for women and wife uh, in the original language. The way that it's slotted quite abruptly between two passages uh, talking about deacons and goes straight on to talk about a deacon's wife uh, using the same word uh, might suggest that it's talking about their wives. Uh, But equally, it seems strange that it wouldn't mention uh, overseers' wives if it's mentioning deacons' wives, uh, pointing more towards it meaning women in general, or women deacons, I mean. Uh, And as the footnote says, uh, it just says women, not uh, their women or their wives, as you might expect if it was wives. Uh, Now, hopefully you followed that. Uh, There are good arguments both ways, and um, I haven't really got time to spell them all out. 
Uh, but it seems to me that women can be deacons, and I see no reason uh, why they shouldn't serve in that way. And now the other thing you might be wondering is, who are the deacons uh, here at St. Joseph's? Uh, And I see them as the people providing leadership uh, in areas of practical ministry. Uh, So people like uh, Fiona overseeing the cat work, uh, Jonathan overseeing the stewarding team, uh, Joanna, uh, our administrator, our treasurer. Uh, And we want to recognize the significant roles uh, that people play in the church. Uh, But given the lack of clarity on the deacon role, uh, it's important that we uh, are flexible in how we recognize and deploy deacons or or people for deaconing work in order to serve the needs uh, of the church family. But let's not forget that the key message here is that godliness and not just skills uh, is required of servants in the church, uh, even in very practical areas. We see that the requirements for overseers and deacons uh, are very similar Uh, Aside from the ability to teach, uh, there are core Christian qualities uh, that all those in responsibility in the church need to demonstrate in their lives. There's a clear challenge here, isn't there? Uh, The standards are high. Uh, The task is difficult and important. Uh, It involves giving yourself in service to others. Uh, It can be thankless, hard work. Uh, But there's a real encouragement in verse 13, isn't there? It says this, those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in their faith that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, These roles follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, the humble servant, and it's the greatest honor to follow in Jesus' footsteps and serve his church. Eric Liddell recognized that. Uh, you might recognize the name from the film Chariots of Fire. Um, he was an incredible sportsman. Uh, he held a British record in running for many years. Uh, he played rugby for Scotland. Uh, he won an Olympic gold medal at the 1924 Olympics. Uh, an incredible guy. Uh, but after the Olympics, uh, here's what he said. It has been a wonderful experience to compete in the Olympic Games and to bring home a gold medal. But since I have been a young lad, I have had my eyes on a different prize. You see, each one of us is in a greater race than any I have run in Paris. And this race ends when God gives out the medals. And Eric Liddell uh, went on to, well, after he hung up his trainers, so to speak, uh, he went on to serve as a a missionary in China, uh, holding out the gospel to people, uh, even when China became really dangerous. Uh, He was later held in a, a Japanese prison camp, Uh, And he did a huge amount to serve uh, those others in the camp. Uh, But he died there in 1945. Uh, And a fellow prisoner described him as uh, overflowing with good humor and love for life. And yet he surrendered his life to God, uh, knowing that he had a noble task. Some of us will be called to be overseers and deacons in the church. Uh, All of us. Uh, in a general sense, are called to be servants, deacons, uh, because as followers of Jesus, we walk in the footsteps of the ultimate deacon, uh, the suffering servant who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Uh, And we are called as a a church family to point people to Jesus. 
to hold out that life-giving truth to the world, uh, not only with our words, but by striving to live godly lives of service uh, so that we commend the gospel to those around us. Let's pray that we would do that. Father God, as we strive to serve in whatever capacity you've given us in the church, thank you that we have the perfect example to follow, the great shepherd of the sheep, the suffering servant, uh, the one who gave his life so that we might have a great, uh, joyful truth, full of hope to hold out to the world. By your spirit, please help us to be more like Jesus. Amen.